Hello and welcome to This Is Cannabis from X-Ray FM, the show that takes an insider look at the Oregon cannabis scene. I'm your host, Lee Henderson, co-founder of Portland craft cannabis company, Hi-Fi Farms. And with me in the studio today is my co-host, Emma Chasen, the founder of Eminence Consulting. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm What's... booping and bopping around this Yeah, month. you're all over the place. Yeah, so I just got back from NYC mm-hmm. yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to California tomorrow. I'm going to California tomorrow. Whoa. Where are you going? Emerald's Cup. Where are you going? I'm going to San Francisco. For? I'm going to see Tom York uh, on Saturday. The lead singer of Radiohead. Oh, yeah. Damn. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to see Tom York uh, of Radiohead perform at Bill Graham Auditorium in uh, in the middle of San Francisco city proper. And I'm going to go. I I used to live there, obviously. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to go visit some old friends. My brother and I are going. It's a boys' trip. Very cute. We're staying at a very fun place called the Phoenix Hotel in the Tenderloin. Nice. And I'm going to see a bunch of my old friends. Oh, that is great. I'm really excited. We'll really fill you up. Yeah. That'll, that'll I, be a good trip for you. I, I'm excited I'm, I'm, for you. I'm really excited about yeah, it. Yeah, you need it. I wanted to ask if you had checked out any of the musical recommendations that I mansplained at you last week. You didn't mansplain them to Felt me. Felt like I was mansplaining no, them no, at you a little bit. No, I am very bad at music, as I said. Um, and I haven't. Because, okay, the way that I listen to music when people like tell me about good music is that I, I listen to it like ad nauseum over and over and over and over and over again. So I've still been on my pinback and, right. And the seat though <clears throat> I did listen to more of the sea and cake. So and good. So good. Yeah. yeah. Especially on um my long plane ride cross country. I just kind of like listened to to pin pack the sea and cake more magwai. Um You gotta check out Tortoise. Tortoise. Okay. Okay. T- I gotta write T- that. TNT and millions now living will never die. You will I mean, if you like the sea and cake and yes. you like uh pin back uh, and you like Mogwai. Tortoise is your Tortoise. band, man. Okay. I'm telling you. Okay, cool. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you. Uh, so I'm excited about this week's episode. Me too. And we've got a couple of really fun uh, gentlemen guys. coming in. Seriously. Uh, handsome treasures. guys. Oh my God, with beautiful hair. Both dreamy. Of them. Yeah, both of them. Dream super, central. Super dreamy dream boats. Mm, yeah, I'm. I'm very excited. They're sitting right next to us. Hey guys. <laughs> so we're going to go to that conversation now. <laughs> Our guests today are Nathan Howard and Mason Walker of East Fork Cultivars, a clean green certified sun-grown CBD exclusive cannabis company located in the Illinois River Valley in Southern Oregon. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having, Thanks us. For having us. It's amazing to have you guys here. Uh, I want to stipulate for our listeners right off uh, right at the top that we are all friends. So expect a lot of uh, inappropriate joking and a and, lot of laughs. Yeah, a lot, yes. it's going to be a laugh a minute around here. Uh, but sincerely, thank you for joining us. This is really great. <clears throat> um, all right, so Mason and Nathan, uh, can you guys both tell us, please, a little bit about yourselves and how you came to the can- cannabis industry, and uh, also the story of Eastport Cultivars? Yeah, sure. Go I'll ahead. Start. I'm, I'm Mason Walker, and um, I am uh, a part of the Eastport team. You know, you just gave a little intro of what we do, but I came into cannabis in a weird way. I was a journalist for about seven years and um, needed a little break. We started traveling a bit, and my good friend Nate here um, somehow convinced me to dive into the world of cannabis. I've always had a personal uh, connection with the plant. You know, I I, uh, I had a pretty severe neck injury when I was a teenager. I, okay. broke, I broke my neck and I was paralyzed for. I didn't know that. Couple Damn. weeks, yeah. It was. That's um, crazy. I'm, I'm lucky to be alive. Uh, a diving accident, actually. Oh god. Yeah. It was, that's it was, the nightmare. It was intense. It? Yeah. I mean, the 
The worst thing it probably did was shave a few years off my parents' lives, having to go through all yeah, that stress. Yeah, indeed. But, but uh, you know, throughout my teenage years, I was chemically dependent on opioids for a while, just for chronic pain. And we all know, you know, what that's done to yeah. <laughs> to to the world. Um, so I was going down a, a kind of a dangerous path there, and then discovered cannabis. You know, first recreationally, certainly in college. You know, having fun as, with as having, one does, as one does, yep. having fun with it, and then. I one day I realized, oh my God, I don't need my Vicodin. I don't need opioids. Cannabis, mm. cannabis does it for me. And of course, as I became a, like a working professional, I couldn't be stoned all the time, nor did I want to be stoned all the time. I'm pretty sensitive to THC. Discovered CBD, and it was like, hallelujah, this yeah. is amazing. Mm. So, was a working journalist and was traveling, and got the opportunity to kind of jump into. The movement, as it were, and um, yeah, it's it's been quite the ride. My goodness, I feel like I've been doing it forever, but I've really only been doing it for about eighteen months. Mm-hmm. Well, cannabis years are like dog years. They are. Yes, they are. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Nathan, well, about five years ago, my brother and I were talking about um, cannabis cultivation in Southwest Oregon, where my brother's been living for about a decade. Mm-hmm. He's been growing for about fifteen years, and um, the beginnings of what turned into Measure 91 were getting us talking and interested in what the uh, market will hold, what the trade could look like in Oregon post-prohibition. And, Let me stop you right there just if, for our listeners. Yeah. Measure 91 is the thing that legalized adult That's use right. uh, cannabis in the state of Oregon. That's the belt measured in prohibition in Oregon. Exactly. If, if we were wanting to continue to work with this plant, cultivate, um, and sell, what would it look like to do it um, that in a way that fully aligns with our values and has a bigger... Um, kind of mission than what we have been able to, uh, I think, seize or work towards in the medical world and then prior to medical in the completely illegal yeah, market. Black market. And that's when Aaron, um, the other co-founder of East Fork, your brother, uh, my brother, really introduced me to the to the world of cannabis science and um, CBD. And at that time, uh, we began talking to growers and, and breeders in Northern California, and we were introduced to uh, people who knew Lawrence Ringo, who did a lot of the original breeding um, of CBD-rich, dominant uh, cannabis cultivars, mm-hmm. even before we uh, people really knew what he was breeding for, and even before we had uh, there was any lab testing. It was all through... Uh, Trial and trial error, and, error ex- yeah. and experience. It's pretty incredible uh, what Lawrence Ringo and the the crew were able to accomplish, and that that's kind of the origin. Is could, could we could we bring back um, varieties that had lower THC, higher CBD, and explicitly could we find a uh, a cultivar, a breed, a variety with the chemical uh, characteristics, um, and in a with a method of consumption that could help our late oldest brother with a variety of ailments um, that were the result of uh, a rare, uh, a more severe case of neurofibromatosis, which is somewhat rare, not as rare as people think it is, but he had about a thousand tumors throughout his body when he passed away last year yep. and uh, severe epilepsy as a result. And so the idea was, could we find something for him, the, the, the right chemovar, the right method of consumption? And we never quite got there um, <coughs> w- with him. We weren't able to fully realize uh, that mission as it you know applies to him and our family but east fork has become kind of a testament and a living legacy to him and continuing that work Mm. um so let's talk about east fork tell us about tell us about east fork cultivars yeah so 
East Fork, we are a farm in Southern Oregon, mm-hmm. a farm-based cannabis company at least. Um, we, we're pretty small. We have 13 people on the team right now. We have a, a little Portland office that Nathan and I both work out of here um, just because most of the market is here. And a lot, sure. of the, a lot of the folks we work with, a big part of what we do is provide CBD-rich and chemically complex cannabis to companies that make products, so that make infused tinctures, topicals, chocolate bars, uh, beverages, you name it. Um, and a lot of those folks are here. So, um, we own, uh, 33 really lovely acres in the Illinois river Valley, uh, which is a a really neat corner of Oregon that not many people know about. It's, um, it's along the Redwood highway. So if you're going South on I five, instead of going through Medford Nashland, you kind of duck off, like you're going towards the Redwoods and disappear into a really beautiful Valley. And and our valley kind of is framed by the Siskiyou Mountains of California, and we're along the East Fork of the Illinois River. That's where we get our name, East Fork. Um, But we grow, you know, if you visited the farm, it's, you know, a lot of people think about cannabis. They picture it in a warehouse or in a greenhouse or, um, you know, a lot of different, you can can cultivate in a lot of different ways. Uh, We're cultivating like like any other farm might cultivate. So we we grow in, in our native soil. Um, you know, in, in the dirt and uh, um, use the water from our, our local river there, you know, grow um, a lot of a lot of chemically diverse cannabis, which is, you know, it sounds a little bit weird, but essentially we're trying to select for all the different things that cannabis offers outside of the intoxicating compound right. of THC. Yeah, we're and, not, again, and again, it's CBD only. You guys are C- CBD exclusive, right? And yeah. and you know we're, we're we're searching for other compounds as well because cannabis is one of the most chemically complex plants on the planet. So sure, we're sure. you know CBD is a really neat. Um, you know we know a lot about what it does. We still have a lot to learn about it, but it's really just the door for us. And you know once we walk through that door, we can pursue other cannabinoids, terpenes, flavonoids, other compounds found in the plant that are not necessarily intoxicating, but have some effect on your body when you when you ingest those compounds. It's a really neat, um, it's a really neat plant. And um, yeah, well, let's talk about it. I, I you know, I want to talk about CBD. Um, you know, we've had uh, Anna Simons from your very excellent CBD certified program on the show. Listeners will can go to the podcast page, and I think that was episode three. Yeah, even it was like one we of had her on early on. Yeah. Yep. Um, but for those uh, turning tuning into the radio uh, to this is cannabis for the first time, like let's let's go over CBD again, please. Uh, let's I, and I'm you know I do obviously I want to start and and focus on the true health benefits of it, but I'd also like to talk about the hype a little bit. Um, definitely having it's like 15 minutes. It's having a moment. It it's definitely ha- it is having it's, a it's, moment, yeah. which is well deserved. Yeah, it's absolutely. an incredible. Um, compa- compound that's relatively safe, harmless, and has such a potential because it's rather promiscuous um actions yes. physiologically yeah. but it's the nathan howard of oh uh, baby that hair sorry <laughs> all right sorry that was an easy one no, uh, i'm into it yeah uh but please yeah let's talk about let's talk well, about some of the health benefits you know yeah. let's, let's talk about cbd from um you know picking up on what mason said before my dumb joke yeah well one none it was a great joke thank you i appreciate um, that name. i'm a promiscuous butterfly yeah as you mentioned earlier before <laughs> i got before i got yeah, on air yeah, yeah. Butterfly. i like the that would be the name of your first self-titled, of your first album. <laughs> That's my, my memoir. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So one of the ways that we've been talking about um, the current genetics that people have access to, the, the varieties of cannabis that people have access to in the country, is comparing it to alcohol prohibition. During the time of prohibition, um, 
people were not making delicious craft beers for the most part. They weren't making wines. They didn't have vineyards. People's main relationship with alcohol still um, is intoxication. And so during the time of prohibition, people who were willing to take the risk to create alcohol made the quickest delivery mechanism that they could find, which was moonshine, or the, the, the most potent version of alcohol they could create, which is moonshine in a bathtub. Um, that, that's, it, right. you know, it, it made sense. Um, now we're quite a ways away from alcohol prohibition, and there are uh, many different types of alcohol, much lower percentage um, types of booze all across the board, and the diversity is much greater. During cannabis prohibition, the same thing happened in a lot of ways. People's main relationship with the plant um, has been intoxication, and so there was an incentive to grow very high THC varieties, to breed for high, very, very high THC varieties. And that necessarily, because the plant can only hold on to so much in terms of what, what's actually in the flower and the trichomes, that necessarily bred out a lot of terpenes or bred out CBD, CBG, CBN. And out of the hundreds of compounds that can be bred for, most of what we still have access to is really high THC genetics. Mm -hmm. And so CBD is one of hundreds of cannabinoids that we are increasingly knowing um, more about. We still have a lot of clinical research and preclinical research to do, but uh, there's a reason that it is having a very well-deserved moment. And in that moment, in that uh, what some people will call fad, uh, there are some risks, there are some challenges it's posing, we can, we can get, which we can get to. But what we do know is that people are um, in mass experiencing real relief from the compound CBD. And there's not all CBD is created equal, and we can get into that a bit more. Sure. Mm -hmm. Emma, you are uh, uh, the expert on this. Um, <laughs> well, let's get into it. But that's yeah. what we're here to talk yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. So, so one thing we always we always talk about is you know we're not medical professionals. We are far from it, right? We are cultivators, um, you know, farmers, and we are educators as well. You know, you mentioned having Anna Simons on. She's our director of education, and and her job, uh, her day job, is to distill scientific research and communicate it to people in a right. way that they can understand. So she reads all the studies. She talks with them, and you know. Um, and and helps people understand what, is what the latest what the, what's, what a lovely yeah, yeah. human is amazing yeah. yes indeed and so you know there are a few things we do know that CBD does for sure you know the FDA just um, approved the first cannabis derived CBD drug called Epidiolex which is essentially CBD in isolation the molecule in isolation yeah. we know that that helps people with epileptic seizures mm -hmm. with um, grand mal seizures with auras you know that that there are a lot of kind of famous now famous stories charlotte figgy was a, a big yeah um, it's primarily for for epilepsy in children isn't it well epilepsy in general, in general I mean, the, okay, the really I neat thing that is that it's it's such a it's such a, a subtle easy treatment with very few side effects that it's right. great for children in in that regard right, in that way mm -hmm. in yeah, that yeah. regard yeah and it's, it's a specific it's type of epilepsy uh dravet's and lennox gestalt okay. syndrome in particular is what Epidiolex was created particularly for. Particularly created yeah. for, that's right. Okay. And then, you know, there are other properties that are really, uh, you know, in preclinical trials, so, you know, uh, tests with animals and, um, you know, other other sort of, you know, preclinical trials, we, we've seen a lot of really strong evidence that CBD likely has pretty significant anti-inflammatory properties, yeah. so, you know, help with pain relief, um, you know, arthritis pain, that kind of thing. Um, and then also, you know, we're, we're beginning to better understand the endocannabinoid system, which is a part of all of our bodies that, um, because of the stresses of modern life, 
<laughs> that was in an especially good radio voice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Endocannabinoid <laughs> system. Endocannabinoid <laughs> system. Uh, Terry Gross, eat your heart out. <laughs> Terry who? Yeah. Uh, um, you, you know, uh, uh, cannabis has been a great folk medicine for 10,000 years, sure. and we're starting to understand a lot of the kind of, um, through our Western view, uh, some of the science behind that. And, you know, put plainly, um, CBD is an awesome, gentle uh, molecule that can amend your endocannabinoid system and help with all, pr- likely help uh, kind of fix some a lot of problems in the right. body. Help They're, regulate it, thereby f- regulating your 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 nervous system. I would say. is that right? Do yeah, I have that right? There, there's, a, like, yeah, there's multiple you know. pathways, right? Right, but, exactly. Mm-hmm. Multiple physiological pathways. That's when I say promiscuous. promiscuous. It acts on <laughs> so many different receptors and enzymes and and systems and really where we're kind of how we think about CBD as as a homeostatic agent. So it really helps to kind of regulate. Can the you body define that? What homeostatic balance. agent is? Yes. Or what homeostasis so is? Homeostasis means balance. So our bodies are constantly working to remain in balance, um, specifically with our adrenal and, and hormones. Mm-hmm. And CBD helps with that. So an example of that is you could take CBD at night when your body's supposed to release melatonin for you to go to sleep. And CBD will help your body to release melatonin and it can make you sleepy in that way but you can also take cbd in the morning when your body isn't supposed to release melatonin and it can help you feel more alert and so that's why it's hard to really define um, cbd's medicinal properties because there's such a wide range of what it can do and it can do different things for different people at different times of consumption uh, and different methods of consumption and that makes it a really amazing uh, or or lets it have an amazing potential as far as helping people with a variety of ailments but back to this kind of idea of all CBD is not created equal. So because of this potential, a right. lot of companies are popping up. You totally right took took the conversation where I wanted it to because go. Because so it's like, important. Yeah, yeah. It's important. So that getting... takes us right to the hype. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. Because exactly. CBD can help you in the morning and at night, like you just said, mm-hmm. that can be taken and sort of bastardized nine different ways. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Right? It's, it's Let's actively, talk about that. It's actively being co-opted right now. Nathan yeah. and I just spent a little time in New York City at a really neat um, kind of pop-up holiday market. Mm-hmm. And there are people that are just so hungry for information. They're like, we see CBD everywhere. We have no idea why we're supposed to use this, but we think we are. Can yeah. you help but, us? But, <laughs> well, what's important <laughs> to say is we why. want to. Right. That's a good thing. Yes. And then, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> but, it, like, but, it, but, but we don't know, you know. It highlights the fad moment, you know, mm-hmm. like I... Yeah. Do I like avocado toast all of a sudden? I guess I do. I'm supposed to. <laughs> so, you know. People on Instagram yes. do. Yeah. So, I mean, yes. you know. So, you know, luckily, you know, we certainly feel, and I think everyone at this table feels that, um, you know, cannabis as a plant-based therapeutic and, um, you know, um, amendment and, uh, or excuse me, supplement in our lives has some staying power, has some real efficacy, um, has some real basis, but it's certainly being co-opted right now mm-hmm. um, because it's, you know, having that Can we moment. talk about how it's being co-opted? Like specifically, you know, I mean, there's so, and by that, what I mean is there's a lot of... CBD products that you can buy online, right? Mm-hmm. And I, does a lot of that come from uh, Chinese hemp? Or, you know, like where, what is the CBD derived from? What are some of these products? What are, I don't know. Is you know, the CBD even derived? Right. I mean, that's, okay. That's yeah. That's yeah. I mean, that's what, I'm, what I mean. Like, is it that people or, are now mm, saying, yeah. oh, you, you take this CBD elixir, there's no information on sourcing 
dosage, how it was extracted. It could just be hemp seed oil. It could have no CBD. It could have literally no CBD. Absolutely. So this is the downside to CBD having a moment. Right. Uh, A well-deserved moment. But the drawback is that with any fad or any um, new um, movement, there's going to be people who in in that moment start a company or start some sort of product line and are based off of it having a fad moment, are riding the wave. Right. And will Mm -hmm. likely be gone once that wave is gone. And in that moment, unless all of those companies, all those individuals who start that that thing in that fad moment, all of a sudden truly get excited. I mean, they're really driven by a values um, mission uh, uh, drive. They will likely be not as incentivized or not as scrupulous when it comes to supply chain transparency, where they're sourcing CBD, how they're how they're talking about it, the information they're putting out there, and so um, I think with this fad, it's created more a lot more consumer confusion, and because of the 2014 Farm Bill legalizing hemp specifically for uh, research and not necessarily consumption, at least the way it was written. It did not create a framework that had any sort of regulation. It still is very much the Wild West. And so you, com- you take in combination, the fa- uh, you know, it having a fad moment, the lack of regulation, and you get a proliferation of CBD products and companies that are sourcing CBD, maybe not sourcing CBD and mm-hmm. just putting CBD on the package. Right. Maybe it's a synthetic CBD, um, which there are plus and minuses to that. Yep. And maybe it's from the majority of CBD production in the United States, in the in the world right now, which is from places around the world that don't have a lot of supply tra- chain transparency and have a history of heavy metals in their soil, right? Environmental regulations, the, mm-hmm. the, either the, the, the kind of the trio of uh, not a lot of environmental regulations, not a lot, not a lot of supply chain transparency, a history of heavy metals in the soil, and not very high uh, CBD genetics, maybe two, four, five percent closer to hemp used for textiles. Um, and the plant being a bioaccumulator, and you get right. a recipe for heavy metals in your CBD without you knowing about Let's it. Let's stop right there. So, yeah, I mean, the, what I wanted to what I wanted to bring up was the 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 point you made about the heavy metals in the soil is so important. So is so important because cannabis and hemp they are bioaccumulators. Very good. And so mm. they will very good. <laughs> Sorry, like, yeah, you're no, testing yeah, yeah. me. <laughs> Uh, we're really finding our rhythm on this show, Emma. Uh, is this a no, quiz but, show? And so, yeah, I think it could be. Yeah, so what does? But but that but that is incredibly important. What does that mean? Yes, so that means there's another word called phytoremediation, which um, is it's a kind it's an action by plants that help to quote unquote clean up the soil, where they're able to pull out heavy metals. They're able to soak up any of the more toxic nutrients that are either in the soil or that get sprayed onto the plant, and they accumulate it in their tissues and so you don't you do not want to consume that plant and yet when we're talking about industrial hemp that is grown in places um, with hardly any environmental regulations not only is it soaking up those more toxic chemicals heavy metals in the soil it's also soaking up whatever is in the air so if the the air um, has a lot of pollution it's soaking that in as well and then when you go to process that plant to make an oil out of it not only are you concentrating down the cannabinoids the terpenes all the good stuff you're also concentrating down whatever toxic chemicals were in those maladies exactly and that's where the huge problem comes in when you do have people who are looking to the cbd market that are looking to help their children with autism with seizures that are going on to amazon and online and and sourcing these um tinctures these elixirs that 
are are not the best, that are not ethical, that maybe are just hemp seed oil or maybe are uh, CBD extracted from these plants that have been exposed to these more toxic chemicals, it can actually really be more harmful than it is good. And and, I, and it's not like everyone's acting out of malice. Right. A lot, no, a lot of companies not. may not know that they are sourcing. Right, right, right. Exactly. Uh, the lack of education yeah. Yeah, across yeah. The, the board I, is a big problem. There, there has to be. I mean, we know that there are companies out there because there have been third-party testing that believed that they were sourcing full-spectrum uh pesticide, heavy metal free, right. CBD, um, and they, you know, they, it will likely come to a surprise. It came as a surprise and will come to a surprise as a surprise to more people that it's not actually an isolate, that it actually has moderate to significant amounts of heavy metals or that there's no CBD in what they sourced at right, all whatsoever. and put into their products. Right. And because of these, the lack of regulations, it's really on the company to take yes. the, the step, even here in Oregon, in our very regulated cannabis market, we don't even test for heavy metals, mm-hmm. right? And so right. it's it's on the onus of the company to really do that, front that capital to provide that transparency. And that's what we're seeing. I mean, we're starting to see, it's still relatively new, right? You know, to Nathan's point, 2014 Farm Bill kind of, you know, it was the first time that it was legal to grow hemp in the U.S. in 60 plus years. Mm-hmm. And so it's still pretty new, but it is starting to, I think, you know, certainly in our, our little Oregon bubble here where we talk about cannabis all, all the time, um, we're starting to understand these differences, differentiate, right? Uh, you know, products on the market are starting to differentiate. There's more test results available, which is great. And it, it's needed. We're like in mile four of a marathon here in Oregon and everyone else is still lacing up their shoes, right? Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, mm-hmm. Thanks, I just wrote that. Uh, <laughs> off the dome. So, baby. off the dome, yeah. Uh, I'm not getting extemporized with um, some mediocre ones, you know. Uh, so, let me, I, I want to ask last question here uh, before we have to go to a break. Um, what do you guys say to the cynics about CBD who say it doesn't have an effect? This is BS. You know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> what's, what do you, what do you think about that? I see, you know, I, what do you say to the, the I see a lot of people like on Twitter, let's say, who are, you know, the online space is a pretty negative place and you know you yes. rag on cbd say it's uh, it's snake oil right snake oil there you go so my answer to that is nothing is a panacea right nothing can cure the, the world of all its ills right. N- like that's baloney and unfortunately some people in the space especially in the fad moment that cbd is having right, right now is like this does everything it can cure cancer and you know make your feet shrink if you have fat feet and just really right. weird stuff I, we see some <laughs> wow. weird stuff is that, did you make that oh, up or no, is that for real i did not make that up that was, there's some weird stuff interesting <laughs> yeah. found, we found that on twitter you can find anything on twitter fat feet <laughs> Yeah, look that one up. That's good. But our answer in our position and our, you know, being in this every day, we, I think, operate with op- op- operate with optimism around yep. future research. You know, we, we're hungry for it. Like, we've uh, been waiting in the wings for um, a very large research university to do a human clinical trial. They have the subjects already selected. They're just waiting on the FDA to, to sign off, and which will happen likely very soon. Mm-hmm. Um and we'll get more of that data that we can actually point to, you know, human clinical trials that, you know, now that we're coming out of the shadow of prohibition, we have the opportunity to go through the rigors of the scientific community like we should, like we need to, to, to learn what CBD really can and cannot do. We're really excited for that. We know some things that it does do, and we can point to the FDA approval of drugs. We can point to the clinical trials that are out there and be like, we know that this is what it can do. We're hopeful that it can do more things. And so I think 
for people that right. are really skeptical or cynical about it, you know, I think that there that skepticism might be a reaction to people that are saying things that are not accurate. I mean, I don't, you know, I feel like no one really is trying to argue about like the children with epilepsy or whatever, you know what I'm, mm -hmm. I'm saying? But I, as far as, as far, like I'm a strictly CBD user, you know, but I, how do I put this? It's, it, it's the high that I enjoy because I'm not high. Does that make sense? Does that, you know, like uh, totally high. I'm not mm -hmm. high in the traditional sense. And I think that's what's, cynics point to and say yeah because you can't feel a very distinct effect right right and that's what necessarily I'm... some people do some people have a significant mood change or a significant pain relief or, or what have you but not everyone does and that's because everyone's body is different mm -hmm. and yeah. everyone's endocannabinoid system is different than um you know nothing is a panacea so i think as long as we as operators in this space uh you know really stick to science and right uh, help you know kind of dedicate ourselves to educate what the latest science is you know hopefully that will cut through the noise and the, the bs that's out there and and you know i'm not out to win over cynics and skeptics i'm out there to promote science and and right and you know good that's superior well, plant-based well therapeutics yeah so. yeah, yeah. T t time will solve this i mean the legalization of of hemp and cbd uh yesterday and the uh, eventual standards that everyone will have to adhere to and then the research all of that is going to come potentially in the next 18 months and we already have research we already have a incredible abundance of anecdotes um, from family members and friends and so it's just a matter of time before we see what it really can and can't be uh, used for in terms of a plant-based medicine and to help people with ailments. Anything else you'd like to add about sort of either the health benefits of CBD or the, you know, um, trendiness of it? I think that CBD is exciting because it allows people to really shed the more like allopathic model, the more pharmaceutical approach of like this dose will achieve these set of side effects for most everybody, which where I've interacted with a lot of skeptics and, and cynics, especially really highly educated doctors and researchers um, from various institutions across the country who just can't sign on to CBD, it's because it does not follow that model. It's because somebody can take a 10 milligram dose and experience the same effects as somebody who takes an 800 milligram dose. Um, and that is exciting to me because that necessitates a shift away from allopathic to nutraceutical, to more indigenous folk healing, holistic modalities, going back to what you said, Mason, of this is not a cure-all. And that's what the kind of fad presents to us is that, oh, you have a 300 milligram CBD latte right. and your anxiety is cured. No, of course not. CBD doesn't not do that because it's constantly helping to achieve that balance um, you will it it necessitates a a more holistic approach where you do need to employ other modalities of healing and to me that's exciting long term as we bring in more science as we understand and and have more conclusive evidence about what this actually can do physiologically we will never get to a point where we do have that standardized dose for most people because it's a plant medicine but that's really cool i call cannabis and cbd especially right now like the all-star 
plant medicine that will help other people understand more about what botanical medicine means and what it can do and hopefully um, help us move away from our more like toxic approach to health and wellness in this country uh, and allow us to move forward in a more kind of holistic while still rational and reasonable modality. Nice. Mm. Thank you. Nice. Very well. Thank you. Thank you for that. Let's leave it there. Uh, Let's take a break. You are listening to This Is Cannabis on X-Ray FM. This Is Cannabis from X-Ray FM is available as a podcast through the Apple Music Store. Please rate and subscribe so that if you ever miss an episode live on the air, you can still keep up with us. All right, and we are back. If you were just joining us, you were listening to This is Cannabis on X-Ray FM, the show that takes an insider look at the Oregon cannabis scene. My name is Lee Henderson, and with me in the studio is my co-host, Emma Chasen, and our guests today are Nathan Howard and Mason Walker of East Fork Cultivars, a clean, green-certified, sun-grown CBD-exclusive cannabis company located in the Illinois River Valley in Southern Oregon. Thank you for staying with us, Welcome gentlemen. Back. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so before we uh, get to my planned second half of the show, we were off mic uh, talking about uh, continuing to talk about the benefits of CBD. Sorry, guys. The show is, today is going to be on CBD and East Fork cultivars. And um, we were talking about something called endocannabinoid deficiency syndrome. Yes, clinical okay. endocannabinoid syndrome. Can we talk about syndrome. that for very briefly? Because this was super interesting. And I'm sorry to make you guys repeat the conversation we just had off mic. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. I, I asked Emma, this is Mason, I asked Emma if she thought endocannabinoid deficiency syndrome, which has kind of been theorized recently. Mm-hmm. Right. As and it would this, be something similar to like vitamin D deficiency, Exactly. Right? Like a, as this, um, you know, kind of category of uh, ailments that um, some, some researchers have recently theorized affects a large swath of the population. So mm-hmm. I was asking Emma if she thought that was baloney or not. Yeah, no, I don't. I think it makes sense, Um, especially we see these kinds of ailments, especially like something like neuropathic pain, where the pharmaceutical industry, our our current kind of Western allopathic model does not have smart solutions to treat this. There is no treatment for this. Even looking at MS, Parkinson's, uh, seizure disorders, cancer, where there's just the the allopathic method fails, right? And so it leaves a lot of people um, kind of not knowing how to uh, manage their illness over time. And cannabis has shown such potential in being very therapeutic in helping manage this. And so the theory that there is this endocannabinoid deficiency, that our bodies are operating in a deficient state of our own endogenous cannabinoids, the cannabinoids that we make, uh, leading to these symptoms, these ailments makes sense to me it absolutely does um and i i was talking so cbd is so can can be could be super critical to this because yes because you can supplement your endocannabinoid system with um with phytocannabinoids do a little AM ASMR. Might have to leave that, that out. out. Yeah. <laughs> my, neck, my, neck, my neck hair is definitely yeah. standing up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, moist. Um, but yes, yeah, so phytocannabinoids. Yes. So phytocannabinoids. <laughs> Get it back on track, guys. <laughs> 
phytocannabinoids being uh, able to supplement the deficient endogenous cannabinoids. And there's even research that points to the physiological actions of CBD, especially in helping your endocannabinoid system uh, to actually make more endogenous cannabinoids, to, um, to allow more endogenous cannabinoids to accumulate in your physiology to take smart action there. And so, um, so yeah, it makes sense to me. It, it also, looking at the widespread anecdotal evidence of even just this experience that seems to be um, pretty universal in that people who have never consumed cannabis before go to consume cannabis. They don't feel anything for like ten, their first 10 times of consuming. Right. That was my experience. Yeah. And to, <clears throat> that was my experience as well. And to me, it points to like, okay, well, this system that is responsible for engaging with these compounds has been dormant for so long. And the ECS is incredibly affected by stress. And we are all chronically stressed because of our more primal brain uh, pathways that take in the the same stress that you would feel from not answering an email as the same stress you would feel is like running for your life from a tiger and so right. so we're all chronically stressed that means it's we're so all chronically true. in fight or flight and so that uh, that almost silences the ECS in a way until you introduce compounds that wake it up yeah I mean I remember going back to our conversation with Zoe Sigmund from whenever when that was and finding out <laughs> and she, she, you guys t teaching me that the CB1 and CB2 receptors were called the ghost receptors mm -hmm. or something like that because mm -hmm. nobody knew what they were until it, cannabis was introduced and they figured exactly. out, oh, these interact. Exactly. And they're, right? they're found I mean, like, in so that's, many different it, places. Take that, extrapolate that to like what we're just finding out about you know, is it the nervous Even, system, like the endocannabinoid system, like, you know, and how the all these things kind of are all, all work together? Like, yeah. And even absolutely. the introduction that makes the, super sense to me, the quote unquote third cannabinoid receptor, this GPR 55 that's also found in cancer cells that doesn't quite operate in the same way as CB1 and CB2. Our understanding of the endocannabinoid system is incredibly archaic. We understand a lot about THC. It's actually one of the most researched substances in terms of the um, I've been researching drugs. it a lot, y'all. Oh, <laughs> wow. Sorry, go ahead. Well, cringe. Cringe. Yeah. Um, but, and now we're, we're coming to understand more about CBD. We do not really have a, a good understanding of the ECS and the way that um, it operates within the body. We do know that it is this kind of regulator lubrication, I call it, for our other body systems uh, to help them to help keep them running smoothly. Um, I mean, we didn't even know that it existed until like the 90s. Right, pretty so. pretty incredible how quickly yeah. it's moved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. exciting to look at that bell curve and be like, okay, there's there's hope. Like we knew nothing yeah. about this 20, 30 years a, ago. A major system in the body that yeah. we we're just now talking about, yeah. Yeah. just now being taught. And then uh, compounds like CBD five years ago most people did not have it in their lexicon. Now most people know what it is. The pace is pretty startling. Mm -hmm. And um, I think back to the previous conversation of uh, CBD having a fad moment, I, th I think we'll look back at this time and, um, you know, five years from now and feel like it was decades ago. And we'll have clinical research. We'll have um, a lot less skeptics because it'll be backed by more science. And um, we'll also at that time be breeding now for CB in and G dominant cannabis and CBD will just be part of our genetic diversity. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really exciting time. I mean, I think back to 
four and a half years ago where I was living on the East Coast um, in Providence, Rhode Island, and I got some weed from uh, Vermont and I smoked it and I didn't feel anything except just like a general kind of body relaxation. And my immediate thing was like, oh, this is like bunk weed. <laughs> this is crap. Um mm-hmm. And now I'm like, oh, it was probably CBD rich flower. And I just had no idea about it. Totally. Yeah. So going back to like cannabis years is dog years, right? The last four, five years have felt like 20, yeah. 30, 50. So. Some people in Oregon and Portland are likely having that, exa- that exact experience right now. Yes. Um, uh, the phenotype of sour tsunami that we entered into the cultivation classic in Portland a science-based cannabis competition. Mm-hmm. Um, that variety, that phenotype won uh, through the third party or third um, or rather blind judging uh, the best as the best CBD dominant cannabis cultivar in the state. That same variety I planted uh, at my house near Lowerhurst in the front yard, a few feet away from the sidewalk. And it actually got quite mature. It was three months in before I woke up one morning and it was it had disappeared. And so oh. I imagine that CBD dominant that flower is, <laughs> is, is being sold in the illegal market somewhere, perhaps. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, truly is a, a hemp variety grown in Portland and it likely somewhere being out there. And I imagine people are uh, having that same Emma Chasen experience. <laughs> like, Whoa, this oh, is yeah, punk. I, this yeah, is yeah. Punk. I mean, I, I remember that experience really, really well, you know. Mm-hmm. And I remember back in. In my teen, this would have been when I was a teenager. I can remember this, and so this was like the '90s, and like it was the yeah. We were like, oh, this must be hemp. And of course, I didn't know what hemp was. I thought hemp was something that like literally, like I was like, you know, you you made um, uh, like dog leashes out of. You know, it was all rope to me, right? <laughs> I didn't know what hemp was. Yeah. And this was 1994. You know what I mean? So, speaking of hemp, I wanted to talk about growing in Southern Oregon because we've had Jim Belushi on the show. We talked to him a little bit about. Uh, uh, growing in Southern Oregon, but you know, I mean, I you guys are in Southern, or- you know, you guys are really, really in it. And I wanted to ask you guys about growing cannabis in, you know, in there, the terroir. I mean, you know, you guys have this really amazing place. Please tell us about it. Yeah, I mean, Southern Oregon, you can kind of describe it like the tip of the Emerald Triangle in some ways. You know, Emerald Triangle being kind of the epicenter of cannabis in the U.S. The, right. the you know Tri County area, Northern California that arguably produces, you know, somewhere between 20 and 40% of the cannabis that's consumed in, in the entire country. And so we're located in Josephine County, which is borders California. Um, our farm is actually located as the crow flies about four miles from the California border. Thank you for saying as the crow flies. As the crow flies, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really bringing that folksy, uh, you as, know. As the butterfly fly. Yeah. As the butterfly f- uh, flitters, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And it's it's a wonderful place to grow just about anything and and certainly cannabis. And, you know, long, dry, sunny, hot summers, right. which the plant loves. And then a lot of water, you know, wet, uh, wet winters that replenish the water table, replenish the rivers, kind of bring a, a lot of diversity of life. Uh, to the area, the rich soils. We're in a, you know, we're in a river valley that's just loaded with minerals because it's, yeah. We actually have, in our inside of our state licensed cannabis farm, we have three distinct kind of canopy areas. We call them the north, middle, and south canopy, and they're all kind of geographically separated. And we grow different types of varieties in those three areas, kind of like a, a vineyard would. And the t- the soil type in each of them is is awesome, but very different from each other. Even though they're really close to each other, and and the one that we put in last year, 
when we were kind of getting it set and putting our trellising system in and everything, we it, we pulled out several several tons of these beautiful river rocks that weren't weren't in any of the other areas that we cultivate, but just <laughs> loaded with really neat minerals. Um, so I think you know the overall terroir. Uh, terroir. I'm terroir. So, so Where's that I'll radio stop that. voice? <laughs> Wet wizard. Um, <laughs> Wet wizard. <laughs> um, the the overall terroir of Southern Oregon's awesome for cannabis. We're gonna have. Sorry. <laughs> what, go go what, ahead. What, what, yeah. Wet wizard is Mason's yeah. uh, and his partner Molly's hot sauce company. I was gonna just say we should tell people who Wet Wizard is because <laughs> that's gonna throw people a curveball if they're just listening. And earlier mm, we were yeah. talking about radio voices, which yeah, is yeah, why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So context. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. So you know. I think Southern Oregon is, has a deep, rich, multi-generational culture of, of cultivating sure. cannabis. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, there are very few, there's very little law enforcement um, in that area. It's very remote, which, you know, has benefits and, and uh, negatives. Right. Certainly, well, that, I was going to ask you, my next question uh, was going to be, can we talk about some of the challenges that some of the Southern Oregon, you know, Oregon growers are facing? I mean, I know you guys are CBD exclusive, which is a separate cat makes you a separate category as, as far as I'm concerned, as far as the oversupply issue, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, what have you guys? What have you guys seen? What can you tell us? You know? Well, I, yeah. I you're I'll, an expert I'll, on I'll, this. Well, I'll preface why by, the long face. I'll, Nathan? Pre- I'll preface <laughs> by saying I've been generally. Um, I feel a little beaten down. Just you know, I'm generally, I'm 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 naturally a bit optimistic i usually have a sunny disposition and the state of oregon's cannabis community and in particular the craft cannabis community um which is the majority which is small businesses small family owned businesses um we're having a really hard time but as mason often says surviving is thriving in oregon's community right now Mm -hmm. cannabis cannabis trade we are by far and away at this point um operating the most competitive weed cannabis economy in the world um i don't think there's even a close second and there's a variety of reasons for that. It mainly comes down to the way that we structured uh, the rules and the regulatory regime that everyone who grows adult use cannabis operates under, which Mason uh, is really good at reminding me and anyone he talks to that that is intentional. We've intentionally created a low barrier to entry so that uh, a couple of brothers can enter, you know, with very little money, right. um, can enter into Oregon's new cannabis economy back mm. in, in 2016 and prepping for 2015. That is still not the case in most states. Um, that is, yeah. so it's yeah. we're very fortunate. It's a very um, lucky place to be. What is, has happened as a result of that and a variety of um, new wrinkles is really, really intense competition, massive overproduction. Yeah. You know, when Levi's produces 15 time, 15% too many jeans, it's a bonanza for customers. And uh, outlets have great discounts and sales, and they likely, you know, aren't making a lot of money. We have several hundred uh, percent times overproduction. We have, you know, somewhere between, what's the latest estimate? Uh, yeah, two to three times two, more than the state can so, consume. So two to three hundred percent. Right. Um, and that A million unsold pounds in the system, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. And that doesn't also account for all of the uh, cannabis grown outside of the Oregon Liquor Control Commission, which mm-hmm. also affects prices. Um, and so combination of, of really severe competition, um, massive oversupply, the OLCC underestimating the amount of work they would need to do to facilitate the market, and then for some reason or another not um, calibrating. They've not asked for additional funds. They, that should have happened over a year ago, in my opinion. And I will say I think it's- Emergency f- funds. Though. Emergency funds. They, yeah. the, the, if the number one concern of regulators um, 
is what they say it is, which is over, which is illegal market activity. Right. Um, and the biggest driver of illegal market activity in the state is overproduction, um, which most people believe it is. Then the biggest thing that the state could do is facilitate uh, the really, really difficult, in many ways, disastrous conditions in Oregon's market, which, in my opinion, would mean get more funds to the OCC so they can facilitate now we're the, generating the, the changes. millions of dollars in tax revenue. Yeah. And, it's, and at some you point, I, it makes me a little pessimistic. I think, well, do they think they're going to see a reduction in tax dollars? Likely not, because these small businesses are going to be absorbed for pennies on the dollar. Consolidation under um, people, you know, from people who have a lot of money who are well resourced is like is happening is and will happening. continue to happen right. and so maybe it doesn't make a dent in their tax receipts and so there's not the same incentive for the director of the OCC Steve Marks to have a real conversation with Governor Kate Brown or the co-chairs of the Ways and Means Committee to talk about what it would mean to properly resource the agency to facilitate the necessary changes small businesses like us need right now like uh, a wholesale license that we've p- already paid for and it's all built out that we've been waiting on for eight months that would help us you know, stay in business and be more lean or new rev- new new infusions of capital and new partners coming into businesses, but those funds not being available to those businesses because the OCC can't process a very simple change, ownership change in, in ownership change. So yeah. there's, there's there's a lot of these weird technical problems right now. Yeah, it, yeah I mean it, they sent I, they sent out an email saying that ownership changes could take up to a year. Right. I mean, yeah. Wow. So, so yeah, right. I got, so, I got that email. And, and I don't think any. I don't think it's. I don't think it's. Um, I really don't think people are operating. Um, with any sort of malice. In bad faith. Right. It's, a, it's a system problem. But yeah. at some point, I don't have, it, it's the impact that we measure, not the intent. And at this point, Oregon's, I mean, I I am hyperbolic at times, and maybe this is hyperbole, but I really do feel like, in many ways, Oregon's really rich network and craft cannabis companies are dying right now. Mm-hmm. And um, they're, you know, recently talked with the, with the sheriff in Josephine County, and I think it's worth worth saying because I think awareness could help change conditions, which makes this less likely. There have been a string of homicide suicides of wow. cannabis farmers wow. in, our county, in our county or yeah. or or just um, single suicides. And I think that is, you know, this plant has been an opportunity for people for, for decades, for generations. And it's particularly been an opportunity for low-income people and specifically people of color. And so the promise of, of, the, of the end of prohibition of Measure 91 I think has made it um, so that people do not have the opportunity they've had for decades, and so it's. I'm digressing a bit here, but it's the prompt to me. I feel like it's right paradoxical. now, right right now, it's right? it's a bit depressing for me. Yeah, because I feel like we've in a lot of ways failed. Like measure 90, the end of prohibition, the end of the end of the war on drugs on this plant, on these people that consume the plant. Uh, we talked about it being an opportunity to really bake in real measures of retroactive justice, of atonement, of a new oppor- new opportunity for people, a new economy. And I'm worried right now that um, small businesses, um, and in particular low-income people and people of color, we're all get, people are just being pushed out. And at the end of the day, it's going to be, um, frankly, straight, Wall, straight, Wall white, straight white dudes, Wall Street, yep. and John Boehner, yeah. who, who make the money. Canadian yep. Stock Exchange uh, yeah. traded companies. Yeah. 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 It's a yeah. challenge. I have, you know... Mason's a bit more optimistic than I am right I'm, now. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, baby. I mean, it's very real. Like, the, you know, there are... Uh, 
yeah, the suicide and homicide thing is is, yeah, that's, is a, that, we, we heard rumors and then oof. we followed up and it's it's and it's real and there's some the, other the, the sheriff said there. that he wasn't able, they weren't able to respond to them all because wow. they, because they're already under resourced as an agency as it is and so it's yeah. it's happening there's that really challenging reality obviously which is terrible and then there's also the bet that Oregon made in designing the market the way we designed right. it we designed it to be competitive to undercut the illegal market which you know the illegal market is responsible for a lot of crime a lot of inequity right. a lot of um, people being put in prison when they shouldn't be a lot of death um, so you know from that perspective you, you know our approach I overall despite the the terrible things that are happening I overall agree with and I also agree with the long-term bet that um, you know by making that low barrier to entry in Oregon and encouraging competition we already have developed some of the most amazing cannabis and cannabis products here. And once we are able to take those other places, once we're able to export them. And right. Take I mean, them it's like states. Adam Smith said, like the or the OLCC in the, the, in the state of Oregon, they 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 legalized an export market. And then we, and now we're stuck in the, you know, the boundaries of the we're, state. We're in this crucible and we need to survive. And we, we're having a hard time surviving right now. If we can survive, we will be we will reap the benefits as a community in in very large ways. It'll be a big supporter of rural parts of the state, which really need economic support. The promise is still alive, but it's really stressed right now. It's super stressed. I mean, um, you know, we I have- mean, What do you think about the sort of the, I mean, a best case scenario, I'm not, I'm not saying mm -hmm. the best case scenario, but a best case scenario where Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and the Canadians come in, but they- pay for the talent that we've accrued here mm -hmm. and you know the people who have the domain expertise and you know in in southern oregon and, and elsewhere mm -hmm. um and there's like a i hate to say a synergy or a hybrid sorry you know mm -hmm. but but there's something approximating like uh, everyone wins i mean obviously you know as opposed to going out of business and by the way that suicide statistic is shocking and like mm -hmm. really was is hard i'm processing is very hard to to think about yeah well i think there's there's I'm not going to say there's not silver linings, and right. I and I do because capitalism is going to do its thing, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, yes. hypercapitalism is going to do its yeah. thing. So, people around this plant in particular, people have endured a lot of trauma, mm -hmm. and there has been uh, the war on drugs has been devastating, and devastating particularly for all the people that we thought this would be a new opportunity for in Oregon. I think we will look back. And I believe the promise is still alive, and I think that we could. I think it really is more likely than not that this is positioning Oregon and Oregon's cannabis community for better things. But in the meantime, it's hard to not. Um, it's hard be going brought, through. Be it. brought down by the by the trauma that people are enduring right now. Yeah. The fact mm -hmm. that this is now a new driver that the people in, in Oregon's cannabis market, the majority of people, um, almost anyone who's making money, are the you know are um, the exception, not the rule. The people who are doing well are people who decided to not yeah. uh, get into By and large, they're not small businesses. They're people who are, who, who are from here, in most cases, but were hyper-capitalized. Yes. Yeah, and, and, and also so, not you know, handling the plant. I mean, it's right. the, the ancillary yeah. businesses who are right. asking all these very struggling businesses who are handling the plant to, to pay um, for different services, but then they don't have to pay taxes. And so it makes sense of, of like, why more of the cannabis economy is being diverted to either black market activity or going into more of acquisitions, consolidations mm -hmm. with companies that have hemorrhageable capital. Right. They, it, they can patch over the problems with money. They can stay which, alive for which, five years on no revenue. Right. It, right. It, it's also led to a, a new 
uh, blossoming industry trade, and that is in hemp and craft yeah. hemp, yeah, which is which is what right. That's one so of the big, one of the biggest exciting things that's come out of the struggle. It's just just yes. such a trip. I mean, five years ago when we were ta- when my brother and I were talking about Oregon cannabis, we essentially said we would like to grow. You know, we didn't think about it in these in these terms, and the farm bill hadn't even passed when we began having these conversations that legalized hemp. Um, but we essentially decided on breeding for and selecting cannabis cultivars that now qualify as hemp so and gr- and growing them in Oregon cannabis. And only in retrospect do we see that that um, uh, you know was the right call. Right. That was a more, more than anything, it was just what smart we wanted. Bet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it was we wouldn't have gone. We would not have grown this plant and continued to cultivate it if uh, we were only growing. On, we were only focusing on the recreational experience and only, uh, or you know, a limited area around the cannabis therapeutics, which is THC dominant cannabis. Um, so now, five years later, to realize, oh, we probably should increasingly focus on the exact same thing, but just growing this plant 150 feet away from right. as so Mason let's... says our low security uh, jail or prison farm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the the farm bill that you just referenced, and um, you know the United the United States is on the cusp of like finally legalizing hemp for you know for in all intents and purposes. Uh, the farm mm-hmm. bill, the farm bill, exactly. I mean, uh, it's ju- I mean we're recording this. This happened this week, right? So yeah, it was really yeah, that, fortuitous that... that you guys were coming in. We had this scheduled, uh, and then that happened. The farm bill passed the Senate, eighty-seven to thirteen. The House is expected to pass. The House Trump... passed it. They passed it yesterday. Okay, yeah. Trump yeah. is expected to sign. Sorry, I didn't even catch that news. Quickly, I'll explain what the farm bill does. It means that hemp will be removed from the Controlled Substances Act. And it will allow hemp farmers, such as yourselves, to be able to participate in the USDA in USDA programs, which I can don't know what that is, but I'm sure it's going to be. Oh, awesome. it's huge! It's going to be amazing. Yeah, it's going to be you know uh, massive. So you guys have developed this hemp operation that that Nathan was just talking about. Can I? Like, can we talk about the farm bill? What yeah. it means to your company? What and then what it means, sort of, you know, more broadly to. Do you do you want to paint a picture of our um, entry into hemp and? Yeah along the way talk about the 2014 and 2018 farm bill and hemp yeah so you know 2014 farm bill was the first uh, there was a, an attachment to it that legalized hemp in some forms it allowed states to create hemp pilot programs right. for research purposes it was very limited in scope and about 36 states actually created pilot programs that allowed cultivation of hemp under different you know under different rules the reason that there's so much confusion about whether CBD is legal or not right now is because that that uh, piece of the 2014 farm bill that legalized hemp was very vague and very, um, you know, it's just a very small little thing. It's like, hey, states, you can r- run these research programs. And some people interpreted that in, as that hemp is legal now and all of its derivatives are, and some people um, did not. And so, more cautious. Yes. And so, you know, right now, today, as we sit here, CBD is a Schedule One substance under the DEA's scheduling. Right. And that means that it is as, as illegal as methamphetamine and heroin. So, you know, still today, right now, that that is the case. Um, the 2018 Farm Bill, which will hit uh, the president's desk next week, is expected to be signed, um, explicitly legalizes hemp in all 50 states. And hemp derivatives removes hemp from the Controlled Substances Act, which takes it off of that, you know, yeah. off the scheduling for now. Um, and it, it gives us clear guidance on what, federal agencies are are our new bosses, which is really exciting. So the USDA and the FDA will be our new bosses instead of the DEA and who knows who right. else, the FBI, you know, so. Um, <laughs> an, an important part here is that 
explicitly legalizing the language was such that it was legalizing hemp for research purposes. Mm. If it had included, if there was text in there that included for consumption, production, something about uh, it actually interacting and being consumed by humans, there would likely be four years, you know, after 2018, four years after the 2014 Farm Bill, there would likely be a stringent set of uh, rules that would, mm-hmm. and which I say that in a good way, uh, that we'd be operating under right now. We haven't been because of the text of the bill, which is what has led to the Wild West of yeah, federal no, agencies uh, no have actual. Been so confused, yeah. And, and that's led to a proliferation of uh, CBD actors, products that actors. may or may not have what right. they say. Going have back in to it. our original yeah. conversation of the CBD. Uh, yeah. ri- wristwatch bands yes. that we were and, talking about. And, and so when we're talking about that, we're not vilifying <laughs> right? or demonizing anybody. It sure. was more of like, this is a system problem, mm-hmm. and the 2018 Farm mm-hmm. Bill now could potentially Codifies solve that. And a much yeah. more... Exciting. Um, yeah. yeah, It is exciting. I mean, it's going to protect health and human safety like the USDA and the FDA are charged to do. That is their responsibility, which is really exciting. It also gets us access to all sorts of new resources. We can work with research universities like Oregon State University without them risking their federal funding mm. to research you know, new regionally adapted pest resistant varieties and you know all the cool really cool things that they do we can access uh, affordable credit as a as a normal farm now right. which, which you know before we we could not do which makes farming really hard i don't, I don't know if you know. oh yeah i mean the <laughs> lack of commercial paper in this space is killing Ooh. people yes. more than anything anything else yeah and SBA loans and that kind of thing. Exactly. Know? And even just, yeah, and interacting just, with the Farm Credit Bureau. There's a farm credit, yeah, a, I don't, a brilliant I don't program in place to help farmers get through a season and get to market. And we don't, we haven't had access to that yet. And then access to banking and access to insurance mm-hmm. and you know, all those normal business things that you, you know, you don't really think you about. You don't really, you take yeah. for granted until you can't access them. Farming is so, already a risky endeavor, natu- inherently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you add on top of that, having uh, not just no access to, the, what every other farmer in the United States has, but then uh, also not having access to bank accounts yeah. and checks and just the yeah. basic very, very, functions. Yeah, very mundane things that actually add up and make it make it a really a big pain. So um, it's really exciting. You know, we just recently got we we grew a modest hemp crop this year, and hemp. You know, it's a little confusing. There's a botanical definition of hemp that's historical. That you know, hemp is cannabis. First off, it's the same genus and species. Um, and uh, you know, as as uh, the cannabis that you know um, may may know, and uh, you know, botanically speaking, in the past, it was it was a breeding difference. It was called hemp because it was bred that that plant was selected for its qualities that were more industrial in nature. So for making right. rope, for making uh, its seeds for to eat paper. that are protein rich, to make paper, mm-hmm. all those kind of things, and. Um, you know, more recently, when we we're talking about hemp now, the majority of the hemp that's being grown in the U.S. right now, increasingly, is not designed to make rope out of. It's designed be, uh, for its therapeutic effects. It's designed spread for its flower. For its flower, Got which it. is where its essential oils are formed, including CBD and terpenes and all those things. So therapeutic grade hemp. We're still, you know, kind of 50-50 where a lot is of- Is it a misnomer that- hemp is the male plant and That cannabis. is a misnomer, okay. absolutely. Yeah, 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 because yeah. that's- yeah. Okay. It's yes. a, so, everyone, it's a misnomer that hemp is the male plant and cannabis is the female right. plant. Yeah. Hemp, hemp okay. now, legally speaking, so when we're talking about hemp now, it's the botanical conversation is changing really quickly, but legally speaking, hemp is just cannabis that has very low THC. Okay. That's it. And, and one way that uh, we were talking about, I was talking about it in our um, education director, Anna Simons, was there as well. We were trying to give a visual. What is the difference between hemp and cannabis? And... Uh, an analogy or comparison that we landed on was you can grow, you can breed tulips 
to just have the stock and to not have a beautiful flower. You, you, can't, you can do that. You wouldn't want to do that unless there's some great value to the stock of a tulip. Let's say there, you can breed it to just have a lot of fiber and protein, um, in which case that tulip is really bred for you know textiles as opposed to flower. Right. Or you can breed a tulip, which is how most tulips uh, have been bred for, to have beautiful, vibrant types of flower, and we enjoy that visually. It's still a tulip, but it's been bred for something different. And so when we say hemp and cannabis, exact same thing, but traditionally have been bred for different uses. Mm-hmm. Now we're seeing hemp being bred for its chemical diversity. And so right now what we're growing on our, our hemp farm, which as of last week is uh, USDA certified organic, uh, which is one of the you know, many benefits Hooray. of growing <laughs> growing this plant in hemp. But we're growing the exact same varieties in our OLCC, uh, one you know 40,000 square foot uh, farm canopy, 150 feet away as hemp. Um, and so it's the exact same plant, different regulatory regime. Yeah, mm, mm, I like that analogy. That's a good, that's a good one. I need to work on it a little bit, but <laughs> yeah, but no, it it helps people understand more because there's still such confusion about yeah. hemp versus cannabis. If it's a totally other plant, if it's the male plant, <laughs> yes, yeah. no, not quite. And if you look, that's at, how I understood it for years. Yeah, mm-hmm. and how many people still do. Um, right. But if you have the opportunity to see, um, quote unquote craft hemp which yes. i don't know if there's a better kind of name that's what we've been using it it, it kind of stinks like but it's it. yeah therapeutic grade hemp or yeah. craft hemp or yeah, yeah. we'll come um, up with something better soon yeah I think. versus the industrial hemp you'll see that craft hemp looks exactly like weed cannabis yeah. flower it is because it is <laughs> it exactly. just has low thc exactly yeah. we had we had some of our um hemp flower cannabis trimmed up in new york and uh we had some you know, some folks were asking us, "Is it okay to have this right. have this weed on this on your table? Because it looks like forty, you know, stabilized THC genetics that have been stabilized for forty years. It just looks like like fire. Someone's like, this is fire. This is, <laughs> this, is this is hemp.' And uh, yeah, I think pimp, uh, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. I mean, we had all our paperwork right. We had our Oregon Department of Agriculture yeah. hemp producer license that mm. shows we're operating you guys legally. Bill the ball with Hell that stuff. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah, it yeah, was fun. Totally, people, man. Were, people were really enjoying Nathan's it. Nathan's in that and, jacket. Yeah, you know Pendleton jacket <laughs> really really him. sings mm-hmm. in New York. Yeah. That's right. Really um, Nathan's growing his hair out too. It's it's really <laughs> fun. Good, baby. Yeah, yeah, my yeah. publicist. Yeah. <laughs> market mover. Yeah, market, I'm a market exactly. It, it's really fun to see hemp, and you know. Uh, the Portland Business Journal just had a story yesterday. Uh, they talked with Jeff Merkley, who yep. Jeff Merkley and Ron Wyden worked with Mitch McConnell of yep. all people, and and um, well, McConnell, but McConnell, uh, not Louisiana. Where's he from? Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky. Kentucky is yeah, a big, big hemp growing state. Big and I, hemp, and I, oh, I say, it's I, amazing how it works like that, isn't yes, it? Yeah. I say of all people, you know, not, not in a in a derogatory way. Just it, it's a little unexpected, um, you know, well, especially who's an opponent for a long time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, for sure. Yeah, He's done a one eighty for sure. Exactly on that issue in particular. So. You know, both of our senators, our senior and junior senator here in Oregon, were two of the four um, authors of yeah. the bill that actually legalized hemp, which is pretty awesome. Yes. And, you know, they that there's it's for good reason. Oregon is going to be a craft hemp, in particular craft hemp agricultural leader in the U.S. if we seize it. Um, I I was quoted in that Portland Business Journal sure story, were. and I'm our, I'm a our little two bit, U.S. senators and Mason. Were yeah. in the Portland <laughs> <Business> <laughs> um, I'm I'm a little I am a little bit bashful about the quote that was pulled out because it's I I boldly predicted that 
uh, in two years' time, hemp, by in terms of revenue for the state, would be our biggest agricultural crop. And I, I really hope I didn't offend any other anyone in the <laughs> nursery industry or the beef industry or the grass seed industry because I, you know, um, you know, they're certainly significant. Uh, but sure. But really, there's a clear path for us to be there. It is a really amazing opportunity for rural parts of the state. Mm. Um, you know, and. and it can be abused. It can be done wrong, but it but it can also be done very right. And and uh, we're certainly excited to be a part of it. You know, we grew a very modest three and a half acres of of craft hemp this year. We plan to grow quite a bit more next year, and and we're piecing together a, a co op as well, just because we have access to to really nice markets. Um, and and, and genetics can, and genetics, and we can only grow so much our, ourselves. So um, we're definitely excited. You know. Nathan shared kind of the doom and gloom that that is the current reality of, right. of Oregon cannabis in Southern Oregon in particular, yep. you know, sun-grown farmers that are competing in this crazy oversaturated market. Um, uh, a lot of farmers in Southern Oregon that have, have been barely surviving or have, or have you know, uh, had their business go under and the cannabis side in Southern Oregon are switching to hemp. It's still within their core competency and yep. it's a, a lot more blue sky in that market awesome. right now. All right, so this is what I want to do. I think that we should scrap our recommendation segment and come back for one more segment with these guys since I'm having Let's such a fun time talking <laughs> I'm to down. them. But we need to go to a break. I recommend that. Um, you are listening to This Is Cannabis and we'll be right back. <laughs> This is Cannabis is putting out a call for music submissions. In putting together this show, you know we play music during the breaks, and we'd love to feature as much local music as possible. If you'd like to hear your song on the podcast, please submit an MP3 to our email address. This is Cannabis at xray.fm. And if we use your music, we will shout you out at the end of the episode and in the show notes online. If you have a show coming up, please make sure to include the venue and date, and we will shout that out as well. Thank you for staying with us. You are listening to This is Cannabis on X-Ray FM, the show that takes an insider look at the Oregon cannabis scene. My name is Lee Henderson, the co-founder of uh, Portland Craft Cannabis Company, Hi-Fi Farms, and with me is Emma Chasen, the founder of Eminent Consulting, and staying with us for the last segment of the show because we have had such a lovely time talking to you guys mm. are Nathan Howard and Mason Walker of East Fork Cultivars. Gentlemen, thank you for staying with us. Our pleasure. All right. <laughs> um... That's the kind of that's the kind of energy I'm really I've been really <laughs> yeah. digging this hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <it's good>. Thanks. <laughs> um. So Emma and I, we want to uh, scrap the last, the, the normal recommendation segment for this week, yes. and because um, we went over, and I don't want to cut out what we've talked about today. Never. So, so, um, but I did want to get to our final question, which is, how do you guys define quality cannabis? Ooh, I like this one. Yeah, it's okay. a question we're, you, we're, you we, ask we, everyone. We, we like to ask people. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I can. I'll try to be brief. I think I define quality cannabis. So, most cannabis that's that's produced right now is consumed into your body. I mean, some is applied topically to your body, but most is consumed, whether it's through combustion, if you're smoking it or vaporizing it or through an edible that you're eating or through a beverage that you're drinking, you're putting it in your body though, most, mostly. And so, um, you know, things that, things that people put in their body, uh, you know, some people care and some people don't. Um, however, I think if we're talking about quality, uh, I would apply the same qualities that you'd apply to food that you that you buy in a supermarket. It's something you're putting in your body. So um, something that would make 
cannabis high quality to me would be cannabis that is grown in a way that does not use crazy pesticides, um, synthetic fertilizers, and um, grown in, in a place that doesn't have a bunch of heavy metals that are getting sucked up into the plants. So uh, that cannabis would, when it is consumed, it would be relatively healthy for you to consume. Right. I would call that high quality. And then uh, also because cannabis is such a chemically diverse plant and has so much to offer, I would uh, say that cannabis that has a diversity of compounds, um, you know, THC, CBD, all the other minor cannabinoids, big diversity of terpenes, flavonoids, carotenoid, all, all these different cool things. Um, you know, I don't think more is necessarily better in every case, but I think, um, you know, uh, one note cannabis is not, you know, not necessarily as interesting to me. And so from my, you know, my perspective, I think cannabis that has a, a lot of uh, diversity of compounds in it that's grown sustainably without, that's free of pesticides would, would be quality cannabis. And potency doesn't really affect how you make your I don't view that as a I mean it's fine to to source potent cannabis if you're looking for a particular experience but I don't think that that is necessarily synonymous with quality word oh Emma is got a huge smile on her face (laughs) ding 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 yeah uh Mr. Howard so (laughs) I grew a one of our new um cultivars in my backyard this past summer and it's a cross, two, two varieties side by side. One is a cross between, uh, they're all CBD stabilized varieties. ACDC crosses Sarasanami. This will mean something to some people who know CBD genetics. And another is Ringo's Gift crosses Harley Sue. Um, I uh, bucked and cured it. I dried it in my uh, living room. And um, now I've been essentially letting it cure in um, mason jars. And every time I open it up, I um, I feel like I'm picking up new terpenes, and it kind of it hits you in a way that um, I feel like a lot of people describe uh, weed as uh, or cannabis as dank if they can smell it and it's and like it resonates with them. Right. And so, what that actually means to us is that we have bred for chem- chemical diversity. We have bred for terpene-rich varieties, and the Ringo's Gift Harley Sue in particular smells like uh, a big bowl of jam. And so, and, and like it is really potent. Um, and so I feel like that variety, we've not tested it yet, is likely going to be quite high in linalool. And it also has quite a citrusy kind of mango aroma. And so it's likely going to be high in myrcene. And that is how I have been judging quality cannabis. Now, what the we, nose knows. It, the nose knows in some ways, but I but I think it also it's a teaser to what the laboratory results will eventually unveil. And that is, it is not necessarily going to be uh, it doesn't have to be very potent, but it's going to have a richness in terpenes, in cannabinoids, and it's likely going to have some minor cannabinoids as well. Um, and the future, I think, for us is, you know, beautiful, genetically diverse flower that will also be, because that variety can be grown as hemp, given that it's low THC content, um, it will be USD organic flower or 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 full plant material that we can process into any variety of full spectrum um, oil or distillate. And so I think in you know, some point in 2019, we will have that variety for sale to either power products or people to consume in whatever way they prefer. And it will um, have, a, it will be, you know, fully tested. It will have the USD organic uh, seal on it. 
And that to me feels like the future of, of quality craft cannabis, in this case, craft hemp. Word. I mm. think what Nathan's saying is whatever he grows in his backyard is the best, right? Is <laughs> the best. Quality <laughs> cannabis. We grew the same varieties on the farm, but I've not had a chance to, to get my, yeah, to interact with it as much. I, I, I can attest. The Nathan, uh, I mean, you're a good gardener, but you're not a you know you're not the farmer of the farmer. family. Aaron, you grew some my, nice cannabis. In fact, my brother won't let good. me really help out on the farm as a farmhand. I get, <laughs> I, I get very distracted. It's also because you're a sweetie, and so the plants love it. Plus, the terroir That's of your nice. backyard just must be. That's right. Wow. The sunny side neighborhood of Portland, great yeah. terroir. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the sunny side. Uh, all right, let's leave it there. Um, that does it for this. <laughs> Thank you guys very, very much. Thank you for so much. This was so much fun. Yeah. So we, much re- fun. We, we really loved it. We could talk all day. Yeah, Seriously. this we was talk great. All day? Yeah, I know. I, I we should. I was Please. thinking about. I swear to God, I was. I was like, we should do it just a two parter and just keep this going. But we have <laughs> to all roll it, baby. Yeah. Uh, that does it for this week's. This is cannabis. Please remember to email questions, comments, and musical submissions to this is cannabis at xray.fm. Uh, also, please be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is at This Is Canna on X Ray. Uh, this Is Cannabis is, is engineered by Will Romy, and our theme music is the song Impossible OK by Portland artists Motric. Please be sure to check them out on Spotify. Wubba, wubba, wubba. Good night and good luck, and thanks so much for listening.